Praise God. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 31. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Brother Michael and I have teamed up for these three Sundays. Last Sunday, he gave you the perspective of the older brother. My assignment today is to take the story and to show you the perspective of this through the eyes of the redeemed son, the boy that got to come back home. Next Sunday, we'll give you the perspective of the father and how he views all of this. But uh, I'm going to just talk to you a little bit today about going from the pig pen to the party, from the swill to the soiree. God bless you. If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. There are at least four sons of God that I can find in the Bible. In the Old Testament, when Israel, the nation of Israel, came out of Egypt, it says, out of Egypt have I called my son. So that nation was referred to as the son of God. When Mary and Joseph heard that that a king wanted to kill their little baby. They took him to Egypt. And when that king died, they brought him back to Nazareth. And it says that the scripture might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt have I called my son. It's no great mystery to any of you that Jesus Christ is the son of God. But also in 1 John, it said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And uh, when he appears, we're going to be like him. So the church is referred to as family of God, sons of God. But in the book of Luke, chapter number three, uh, I enjoy going to places in the Bible where very few people like to go. I spend a lot of time with the genealogies and... uh, uh, most people don't fool with those. I get a lot of delight out of them. And the reason is because of that scripture that says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's all profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. And so <clears throat> Matthew was a tax collector. If he would have been alive today, he'd work for the IRS. And so he's a bean counter. So it shouldn't surprise you when you go to Matthew chapter 1. It starts with Abraham, and it goes forward to Jesus Christ. Luke was a doctor, very, very intelligent man. Uh, I don't want to get sidetracked on Luke, but he is a very, very special man. And Luke starts with Jesus Christ and goes backwards. And when you come to verse 38, the last verse of Luke chapter 3, it says, Enos 
which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So it's obvious that Adam is referred to as son of God. Now, in order to be called a son of God, Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you've got to be spirit controlled to qualify. And of course, Israel was led by the spirit. Mary and Joseph led by the spirit. You and I, hopefully, being led by the Spirit. And Adam, led by the Spirit. I want to compare Jesus Christ and Adam for a moment. Because in the book of Corinthians 15, it refers to Jesus Christ as the last Adam. And there are a couple verses in there. It said, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was a quickening spirit. The first Adam was of the earth, earthy. The last Adam was the Lord from heaven. So Jesus Christ is referred to as the last Adam. Now it says in the book of Genesis chapter 1 that God made man in his own image. So the question you have to ask is what is the image of God? Because God is a spirit. It says, no man has seen God at any time. Paul one time said, unto the king, immortal, eternal, invisible, the only wise God. So, what is the image of God? In 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it says, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, comma, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Colossians chapter 1 says that we have been translated into the kingdom of the Son. It says, who is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1 said that God used a lot of different ways to talk to people in the Old Testament, but today has spoken to us through his Son, and it says very clearly that, that that son is soul and unique. And um, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. And it says very clearly that he is the express image of his person. So if you put 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, Colossians 1 and 15, and Hebrews 1 and 3 together, you can scripturally make this statement. Jesus Christ is the express image of the invisible God. In other words, if you want to find God, you're going to have to have something to look at. The image of God is the physical body that he wrapped himself in. Jesus Christ is not Jehovah Jr. He is not the second person in a fictitious trio of beings. Jesus Christ is the visible manifestation of an invisible God. It's that simple. Quit thinking in terms of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
Think in terms of flesh and spirit. That's all you got to think about. God is spirit. The Son is flesh. If the Son was God, then this God died on the cross. God can't die. But if you understand Father is spirit and Son is flesh, then you can say exactly what the Son said in the book of John. He that has seen me has seen the Father. What he's saying was, if you want to find God, you're looking at him in flesh right now. That's why it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and thou shalt call his name. Whose name? The son's name. You'll call him Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. How can you call the Son the Everlasting Father if they're two separate persons? You can't. But if you understand that the Father is spirit and Son is flesh and the Father dwelt in the Son, then you got it. It's that simple. God took an earthly set of duds out of layaway and came to this earth in flesh. Because the only legal liquid that can deal with sin is blood. And if God remains spirit, he can't redeem anybody. But if he takes on flesh, and the blood of that body is shed for you and I. Now we're talking about what Peter said, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because as you know, Jesus did not have an earthly father. She was found with child before they ever came together. So who's the father of the son? I got no problem with that. You can call him father. You can call it spirit. You can call him God. In the book of Corinthians, it says, now the Lord is that same spirit. There's only one spirit, ladies and gentlemen. There's not a spirit of the father, separate from a spirit of the son, separate from the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 and 4 said there's one spirit. John 4.24 said, God is that one spirit. Corinthians 3 said, the Lord is that same spirit. So whether you call that spirit God, whether you call that spirit Father, whether you call that spirit holy, it doesn't matter. There's just one spirit, okay? Quit complicating this thing. It's not, the Bible said a child ought to be able to figure this out. This is not technical. You don't have to be IBM compatible. And so when you read Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it said man was made in God's image. What's God's image? Jesus Christ. Bethlehem. Which means that man was made in God's image before God even had an image. That's why it says in Romans 5, the first man, Adam, was made in the similitude of him that was to come. God knew what he would look like when he would come in flesh. He used the body of Jesus Christ as the blueprint to build the first Adam. It is my contention that if Adam walked in that door and Jesus, the last Adam, walked in that door, I believe they were identical twins. That's, I can't prove that, but I believe that. What I'm trying to show you is that man was made in God's image. It's very powerful. And so Adam is called a son of God. But there's a vast difference between Jesus Christ and Adam. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased 
in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, which simply means he grew. You know, as well as I do, he came to this world as an infant. And we have the first 12 years of his life recorded in the word. There's a void. We pick him back up at 30. But he, he grew. He grew. He, 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 he had diapers. Uh, he, he had pimples. He went through puberty. He, uh, he, 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 he grew as from an infant to a child, to a young man, to a full-grown man. Adam, however, was not born. He was formed. And it says in the book of Genesis 2 and 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This gives birth to what I think is one of the greatest revelatory insights in the word. From 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, it says, the very God of peace wants to sanctify us holy. The word holy there is W-H-O-L-L-Y, not like a holy God, but it's a different holy. It means entire, complete. God wants to sanctify or separate unto himself every part of us. He wants our whole spirit, our whole soul, our whole body to be separated unto him. This gives birth to a a very powerful truth that we are a tripart being, that every one of us have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. This means that two-thirds of us is intangible. Two-thirds of us will never show up on an MRI. You'll never show up on an x-ray. You'll never go to a doctor's office and him stick a sheet of mylar on a, on, a, on, a, on a light board and say, now that black stuff there, there's your bones and there's your muscles. Now that pink stuff over there, that's your spirit. And that shiny lime green thing over there, that's your soul. It's never going to show up like that. But the word says we have these three component parts. And that God wants to sanctify these things unto himself. Notice how the order occurs. First, he forms man of the dust of the ground. That's the body. He breathes into him the breath of life. That's his spirit. Man's soul then lives. It's a living soul because of the spirit. Life of the spirit makes the soul live. That's two and seven. If you go to two and nine in Genesis, it said he put a tree of life in the midst of the garden. The word life in two and nine is the same word life in two and seven. Breath of life, same exact original word, which means God did CPR on this corpse. (laughs) Breathed into this guy and he lives but he doesn't do it again. He said, now, if you want to stay alive, you're going to have to be disciplined enough to get your carcass to the proper orchard on a regular basis and eat this fruit from the tree of life. It's a great reason why you go to church. It's a great reason why you stay in the word. It's a great reason why you have a prayer life. You know, Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. 
It, it would amaze you how many people don't read the word on a regular basis. It's a living thing. God will fill you with his spirit the first time. But if you're going to stay alive, you're going to have to develop some disciplines in your life to make sure on a regular basis you are ingesting life. That's right. That's what church is all about. Church about it. Uh, it saddens me through this COVID thing that there are people that are doing anything they can to stay away from church, but they don't stay away from their other events. This has brought out the best in some and the worst in others. For me, I have to have this. I have. And what you have to understand is that when God made something, he never spoke to what he made. He spoke to where it came from. For instance, God never said, let there be fish. He said, let the water bring forth abundantly. He never said, let there be grass and let there be trees. He said, let the earth bring forth abundantly. And when God got ready to make man, he did not break his pattern. He, he didn't speak to man. He spoke to where man came from. He spoke to himself. He said, I am going to make man in my image after my likeness. This is why whenever you take what God creates away from the source that it originally originated from, it always dies. When you take fish out of water where they came from, they die. When you take trees and grass out of dirt where they came from, they die. And when you take men and women out of God, they die. That's why it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him we live and move and have our being. It's just that life force, Zoe, divine energy that only comes from him is so needed and so absolutely necessary. So here is Adam, who you must understand is the federal head of the the human race. The world is in him, unborn, but the potential for the population of the earth is in the loins of Adam. However, he sins. There's a fascinating verse probably in 2 and 17 of Genesis. It says, you can eat anything you want, but if you eat this fruit of this tree, watch In the day that you eat it, you're going to die. Now, most people know that Methuselah lived to be 969 years. He's recorded as the oldest guy in the Bible. But it surprises many people to learn that Adam lived to be over 900 years old. So it's pretty obvious to me he did not die the day he ate that fruit. Or did he? 
Have we found an error in the Word? Or is the Word still true? I found a verse in Ezekiel 18 that I think is the answer. In Ezekiel 18 and 4, it says, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father is mine, the soul of the Son is mine, and the soul that sinneth shall die. Which tells me there's another death. Which tells me you can be dead before you die. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because in Ephesians 2 and verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were, past tense, who were dead, where? In trespass and sin. One time Jesus told a group of people who were making up excuses not to follow him. He said, let the dead bury the dead. There's something else going on here. We need a revelation about the difference between life and death. Because in our culture, life is paychecks and vacations and just the activity of moving around. And death is a box in a six-foot hole, but not in the Word. In the Word, life is Jesus Christ, and death is sin. Therefore, if you sin, you're going to be dead before you physically die, which is exactly what happened to Adam. When he ate that fruit, look at the order. First of all, he has a body. God breathes his spirit into this man. I don't believe Adam had a human spirit and a divine spirit. If I take two and seven at face value, the only spirit he had in him was the spirit of God. Okay? However, when God breathes his spirit into that man, and man becomes a living soul. So if you use the word the antecedent of living and life, it's obvious the soul is alive because of the life from God's spirit. But remember, that life is now transferred to a tree. And when they sin, they can't get to the tree. So they now do not have access to life. So what happens? It's a domino effect. The soul is going to die because it has to have the life of God's spirit in order to function. doesn't mean your body dies. It means your soul dies. What is your soul anyway? Listen to these verses. Here's Hebrews 10 and verse 39. We are not of them who draw back into perdition or destruction, but we believe to the saving of the soul. Here's 1 Peter 1 and 9. Receiving the, not the beginning, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Very common in a church environment for people to say, we had so many souls saved. What does that mean anyway? Ship goes down. 29 souls were lost. What is, what, is, what is a soul? I'll tell you what I think the soul is. I think it's the real you. I don't think your body has a soul. I think your soul has a body. That's why the scripture said, we're all going to one day be in judgment. And we're all going to give an account, watch, of the deeds done while we were in the body. Have you ever heard that verse that says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust? I've heard that all my life. Good luck trying to find it, though, because it's not in the Bible. The closest thing you'll find is in the book of Ecclesiastes, and this is what it says. Your body is going to go back to the dirt. It's going to go back to the earth. Your spirit is going to go back to God who gave it, and that's all it says. 
The question is, what about contestant number three? Where's your soul gonna go? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the question that you and I all have to ask. You have the ability to say yes or no. It distinguishes you from everything else on this planet. You have volition. You have will. The reason I don't have scruff on my face today is because I shaved. I made a conscious, volitious decision. Squirt the goo in my hand, rub it on there, keep scraping until I can't feel any resistance. I got the worst beard in the whole world. I always wanted to have a straight razor cut for a beard. And I was at a barber shop years ago, and he said, is there anything else I can do for you, Mr. Alvin? I said, yeah, I'd like to have a shave with a straight razor. And he said, oh, I'm the best in town. And that dude, I just kept, I noticed he kept fooling and fidgeting. And finally, he just looked at me and he said, Harold, I'm not charging you for this haircut. He said, I have butchered you. He said, I have never seen a beard like yours. Your beard goes every direction. Usually there's a grain to a beard. He said, you got no grain. He said, I'd scrape this way and cut you. I'd pull down that way, I'd cut you. Haircut, shaves, free. When I got up, I looked like the victim of a tragic farming accident. I mean, he had Vaseline on me, little pieces of paper. It was like, wowee. So when I shave, I'm the only guy that shaves me. You go this way, you go that way, you go sideways. That's just my life, okay? I chose to do that. The reason my teeth don't have all that goo on it, right, is I made a choice. The reason I, I, I chose a black jacket today, not, or a blue one, not a black one. It's black shoes, and well, there's no choice there because all my shoes are black. So uh, that's just, they're just decisions. Why are you in church today? You could have stayed home in bed. It's Labor Day weekend. Many of you have worked very, very, very hard. You have a perfectly good, legitimate reason to stay at church. Instead, you got up. And you're in church today. And while you didn't just come here and sit your carcass on some green bench, I saw you worshiping with these people. You made a choice. Estelle said it. I chose to lift up my head. I chose to lift up my hands. I chose to lift up my voice. That's a decision. You do that. Seasons don't do that. In just a few weeks, these trees, God's going to walk through these woods and paint one red and another yellow and another magenta. And it's one of the magnificent blessings to living in Michigan. It's, it's an amazing display. But, but, but the, the trees, they, 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 they don't have a decision. These geese are going to go. The ducks are going to go. The flowers are going to die. The acorns are going to drop. It's, 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 it, they, they have no decision in that. But you and I have a soul. You and I, I don't care. We, 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 we live in such a messed up world that we laugh about stuff that ought to make us sorry. We, 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 we weep about stuff that ought to be comical. We're living in a world that will hug trees, save whales, and we've killed enough kids to populate Canada. That's a sad, that's sick. They'll end it in a third trimester right now. The Bible talks about hands that shed innocent blood. We're paying for that. The confusion that's in this world right now. 
Blame it on Trump all you want, but Trump's going to be gone, whether January or, or a couple of years, he's going to be gone. So who are you going to blame it on then? This, this anger is not going to stop when Donald Trump leaves office. This thing is loose in this culture. You're not going to please these people. They are unhappy. It doesn't scratch where they itch. What is going on? i tell you what's going on. They're dead in trespass and sin. David said, the Lord can restore my soul. What does that mean? It means you start laughing about funny stuff and you start crying about what really, really, really is sorrowful, that your emotions get in the proper order. Watch how man was made. First a body, then spirit, then soul. So what happens? He violates the word of the Lord. Therefore, everything that comes out of his loins is sin. You don't believe that? Then I want to know which one of your parents taught you how to lie. I want to know which one of your parents taught you how to cuss. I want to know which one of your parents taught you these, this bad stuff, how to steal. Anybody ever steal? I remember the first thing I ever stole in my life, a lime green guitar from my cousin, Brian O'Connell, when I was probably four years old. I wanted it. I swiped it. I remember the first thing, something in my, here I'm 63 years old. I still remember stealing that stupid little lime green plastic guitar. My dad never taught me how to steal. My mom never taught me how to steal. But it was hardwired into me. Where did that come from? It came from Adam. I inherited that nature. My soul is dead. There's a fascinating verse in Malachi chapter 2 that says, We have the residue of the spirit. I believe the human spirit is the leftovers after God's gone. It's like husking corn. Anybody had fresh corn the last couple of weeks? I love eating this fresh corn in this, in this country. You peel the, the and all, it, it, the human spirit is the husk. It, it's, it's what's left over after the corn's gone. It's like peeling an orange and you eat the orange and all you have is the rind. That's what the, it's, it's, it's evidence God was there, but there's very little left. That's why Romans 12 said, we all have the measure of faith. We've all got a little bit of God left inside of us. Not a lot, but it's there. There's a spark of faith that's in us. That's why it says that he will not quench that thing that's just a spark. And he won't break that which is bruised, but he will coax it back to life. That's what the word is trying to do right to you right now. The spirit of the Lord is going... trying to get that thing to glow and, and, to, and, and to combust. That's what we're trying to accomplish here right now. And what you have to realize is the human race has got a dead soul and got a spirit that's just the leftovers after God's gone. And so the only thing left is the flesh. And the flesh is working really good because you have to realize that the prize is the soul. You have to realize that one day your body's going back to dirt, your spirit's going back to, to the law. Where's your soul going to go? That's the choice. That's why we're in church today. That's why we have a Bible. You have the ability. If you want to go to heaven, you can go. If 
if you want to go to hell, you can go. I'm sorry to be so crude, but it's really that. It's really your decision. It's really your choice. Do you want to serve God or not? Do you want, to, do, do, do you want this lifestyle or not? It's, it's yes or no. It's a binary thing. It's yes or no. It's, you know, it's zeros and ones all over again. And, and, and it really comes down to that. And, and, and this, this, is, this is why this makes this so, so critical and crucial, you see, because God gave you five detectives to contact matter. He gave your eyes, your nose to smell things, your mouth to taste things, your hands to feel, your ears to hear things. But that's to contact matter. God is spirit. God is not physical matter. Therefore, to come in contact with God, you're going to need a sixth sense called faith. And you've got that. Everybody's got the measure, not a, the measure of faith is in every one of us. You, Everyone that's in this room has the ability to make a choice to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Everybody's got that ability. And what's so amazing is that when you read Romans 5, the world was in Adam, and therefore they are affected by his sin. But then it says, as sin came to this world by one man, so redemption can come from one man as well. You never had the ability to make the decision about whether Adam was going to be your great, 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 great grandpa or not. But you have the ability to make a choice as to whether Jesus is going to be your true father or not. Because as, as we were in Adam and we are affected by what he did, we can be in, as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You can get in Jesus Christ. And just as everything in Adam was affected by what he did, everything in Jesus Christ is affected by what he did on the cross and the resurrection. And this is when it becomes powerful, you see, because look at the order man was made. First, there's a body, then there's spirit, then there's soul. But the soul's dead, see? It's not functioning good at all. So, you're going to have to fix the soul. How do you fix the soul? The answer is Leviticus 17, 11, blood. Life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given you the blood to make an atonement for your soul. Look, forget the fancy word atonement. Break it into three words, at-one-ment. How do you get reconciled to God? You've got to do it through the blood. Here's the problem. Jesus died 2,000 years ago, so how do you access the blood today? Here's the answer. In Leviticus 17, 11, it says life is in the blood. But when you go forward into the scripture in John 20 and 31, it said these things that, you, that, that, these things that are written uh, are, that you believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life through his name, not through his blood, through his name. So if you look at John 20, 31, if you have the name of Jesus, life is in the name of Jesus. What is life? Based on Leviticus 17, 11, it's the power of the blood. What is the power of the blood? It's in Hebrews 9 and 22. Without blood, there's no remission. Therefore, with blood, there is remission. So if you get remission, God gets Alzheimer's. If John is right back. John, raise your hand. Would you raise your hand? You see this precious gentleman back here? This man is the living, walking testimony that old dogs can learn new tricks. Okay? So don't you ever use that excuse, I'm too old to change. Dwayne started praying on Sunday evenings in the park. 
John met Dwayne in the park. Today, we're going to baptize John in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. And John, this is for you. If you got the name, you got life. If you got life, you got blood. If you got blood, you got remission. If you got remission, your past is gone. But if you don't have the name, you can't have life. Because there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby be must be saved. If you don't have the name, you can't have life. If you can't have life, you don't have the power of the blood. If you don't have blood, there is no remission. If there's no remission, you just got wet. The blood is in the name. Therefore, when you get baptized in the name of Jesus, your soul is restored to relationship with your real dad. Now, Romans 8 says, his spirit, capital S, needs to bear witness with your spirit, little s. Look how man was made. Body, spirit, soul. That's why you get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That restores your spirit. Now it's two against one. Now you've got a restored soul, a regenerated spirit, and now you've got the ability to discipline this flesh. I'll prove it to you. Take your right hand, grab your right ear, and just pull on it twice. I just proved to you, you can go to heaven if you want to go. You can make this flesh do whatever you want it to do if you'll make a decision and act on that decision. God doesn't just want us talking in tongues and baptized in his name. He wants our whole body sanctified, separated unto him, which means you're going to look different. You're going to talk different. You're going to act different. We are ambassadors. We are a representation to this world from another land. We are heavenly citizens. That's why if you're going to be an ambassador, at the minimum, you got to be bilingual. Okay? Here's brother. I love being with old brother Pacheco. Pacheco's taking the place of my daddy. I was always with my daddy up here around the altar. But my daddy's too weak right now to come to church. But God gave me a replacement. And I'm with this old Portuguese. But every time he's up here, he doesn't talk in English. He's talking in Portuguese. I think he's talking in tongues. But he's not. Usually he's talking in Portuguese. He's not just bilingual. He's trilingual. He can speak in English. He speaks in Portuguese. And he's a tongue talker as well. If you're going to be ambassador for Jesus Christ. You need to be able to speak in English and need to be able to speak in tongues. We ought to talk different. You with new tongues. That's what the Bible said in Mark. I, I taught a man, he said, oh, that just means you don't cuss anymore. I said, oh, no, it means much, 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 much more than that. The, 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 the book of James says that a very, very small bit can control a big horse. A small rudder can control a big ship. And it said the tongue isn't very big, but 
but it controls your body. I used to preach a message called the little, the little red devil behind the pearly white gates. And it was your tongue behind your teeth. That's what it was. You, I, your tongue's five inches long, but can kill a man six feet tall. I've seen a woman with a four inch tongue kill a sister that was five feet tall. I've seen that happen. Life and death are in the tongue. You have the ability to say yes or no. You have the ability to just talk in English or you can be a tongue talker. I'm telling you, God wants to restore your soul and he wants to regenerate your spirit. Why? Because here's this prodigal son in the pig pen, in the pig pen, fussing with the hogs for the scraps left over from last night's dinner. All that swill and all that goo and all that stink and that mess and that mire. And he comes to himself and he said, the servants in my father's house eat better than this. I will arise (laughs) and go to my father's house. And the Bible said that his father saw him a great while off, ran to him, didn't want anybody to see his boy with that nasty clothes on. So he took his robe off, took his shoes and put them on them old black feet of his, put his ring on his finger, came home, listened to what he said. He said, my son was dead, but now he's alive. There is such a power in the gospel message of Jesus Christ because if you will be baptized in the name of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like being estranged from your family for 40 years. And after 40 years, you get a phone call and it says, hello, Michael, this is your daddy. I I know we haven't talked for a long time, but I want you to know that I love you and I want you to come back home right now. And can you be here Thursday for Thanksgiving dinner? Yes, sir, daddy, I'll be there. You go down to the starvation army and you get a 50 cent shirt and a clean pair of jeans and a decent pair of shoes and you walk up on that porch for the first time scared slap out of your mind and all of a sudden the doors open and there's arms around your shoulder come on in boy look what we got for you that's what happens when you're restored amen that's what happens when you're reborn that's the perspective from the sun wow I finally get to come home again our Father, which art in heaven, my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. That's why the Bible said, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but of love and of a sound mind. And it said that he's not given a spirit of fear, but, but he said the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba. Abba means daddy, daddy, not just father. It's a term of endearment, daddy. That's the power of being in a re- relationship with Jesus Christ, that you come and you, and you get out of the pig pen, you get to go home to the party. You get out of the swill when you go to the soiree. That's why he said, give me your ashes. I'll give you beauty. Give me, I got a garment of praise for the, what, who wouldn't want to make that deal? Who wouldn't want to serve the Lord? Who wouldn't want to live a life without condemnation and all the depression? This world is full of anxiety and fear. There are people, there's a spirit right now. It's got people scared, slapped to death. I can't come out of my house. I can't come out of the porch. I'm going to die. Just living in abject terror, fear has torment, but perfect love casts out fear. You need to experience the love of Jesus Christ through his name and through his spirit. Let's stand. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
This is what it says. You ever heard of Lazarus? That guy that died, came back to life. Listen to what it says in John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. People said, talking about Lazarus. Listen to the next verse. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You see, there's a first birth and there's a second birth. And you get in the Bible, there's a first death and there's a second death. But let me give you a promise. If you experience the second birth, you don't ever have to worry about the second death. You don't ever have to worry about that kind of judgment. Take advantage of this moment in time right now. It's Labor Day. It's a weekend set aside to honor all the men and women that have worked and done all of this effort in order for you and I to have what we have. But let me tell you about someone that did the greatest work this world has ever known on the cross. Jesus Christ died for you and me, shed his blood, took our place, amen, so that you and I are built. See, see the wages of sin is death. <laughs> the problem is we're all sinners, so we're all going to have to pay. But if we pay, we're going to have to die. So we don't get the benefit of paying off the debt if we're the one that's doing all the paying. But if he could die in your place and pay your debt, then you get the best of both worlds. You get debt free and you still get to live after the debt's paid off because somebody else died in your place. That's what the Calvary is all about. Resurrection is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not enough just to be baptized in his name. That cleans up the house. But the Bible said, I don't care if you paint it, garnish it. I don't care how nice you cut the grass, paint all the eaves, get all the ivy off of the gutters. But let me tell you, if you don't put a strong man to live in that house, not only is the same squatters coming back that lived in there the first place, they're going to bring seven worse than the first. I know people that play games with God. Amen. To go beyond. John, you're going to get baptized today, but go beyond being baptized baptized in his name. Keep pressing until you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's great to get baptized in his name, but it's even greater to be filled with his spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I know you got plans and I'm doing my best to be a good pastor and to be aware of that. However, you came to church, not just come here to leave. I think you came here for a reason. We've got people that are going to come up here right now capable and ready to pray with you. They've already had COVID. They already had the, 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 the virus, okay? I, and so they'll still wear a mask. And when they pray for you, they'll put that stuff on their hands and pray for somebody else. But you're not going to catch this from him. We're not going to stop laying hands on in this church just because of this stupid virus that's going on. Now, I'm not making fun of you if you don't want somebody to lay hands on you. But you did come to church and you didn't come just to hear me preach. And I sure hope to God you didn't come here just for the fellowship. I think you came here to meet Jesus. I think you came here that this would be a day that would be marked forever on the calendar of your life. And so right where you are right now, I'd like you to shut your eyes and lift up your voice, lift up your head, lift up your hands. And we're going to pray together right now. And we're going to believe as these people sing and as we pray, presence of God is going to manifest in this room here right now. And you're 
going to sense that what I'm preaching to you is the truth. And you're going to feel something come upon you. It's an evidence. It's, 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 it's the validation that what you're hearing today is the living word of God. And it will dig you out of your pit. It will break your barrier. It will destroy your yokes. Amen. Lord Jesus, Father, right now, I lift up my voice. I lift up my hands and my head. Amen. Under you. Because I want you to be high and lifted up. I realize that I have the ability right now to literally get beneath your name and to exalt you to a status that you do not have without my worship and without my praise. And I ask you, Lord, right now, I exalt you above every obstacle, above every enemy, every opponent, every foe, every, every hurdle, anything that would try to come between these good people and a valid, restored relationship with you. Father, I'm convinced you're on the porch right now, ready to start running through the field if somebody would just make half an effort to come to you right now. Your word says if we draw nigh to you, you're gonna draw nigh to us. And I know we couldn't even draw nigh to you if your spirit wasn't already working on us because no man comes to the Father unless the spirit's drawing him. I feel you working in this room right now. I feel you drawing in this room right now. I'm asking you, God. I'm trying to get somebody out of the hog pit. I'm trying to get him at the dinner table. I'm trying to put him in front of the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the pie and the coleslaw and the rolls. I want to get out of the swill and the slop of the trough into an experience that's magnificent and incredible, God. So I pray right now, hear our words, hear our prayer. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. This precious gentleman is going to be baptized behind me right now. Oh, Jesus. We want revival in the park. We don't want just prayer in the park. We want answers in the park. We want deliverance in the park. Amen. We want revival in the park. We're asking you, God, right now. Oh, Jesus. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Coming after me. He's coming after you. Come on home. Come on home. Come back home where you belong. Come back to the house of God. Come back to your real father. Amen. Time to come back for Thanksgiving. 